started, I want to say happy anniversary to Gospelite. And uh, we're celebrating that anniversary every week. And each week we take a year. We started in 1992 in a small little storefront building on June the 7th. And so on June the 11th, we're going to celebrate 25 years exactly. But every year we've been looking at a different week as the Lord allows. And we're in uh, 205. So we're 13 years in. We've got 12 more to go. And so in 2005, we had a theme, and the theme was Our House, a Lighthouse. And if you've noticed, on the corner of 3rd and South, there is a church. And on that church, there uh, is a lighthouse. And that's Gospel Lights Spanish Church. But we used to have church there. And one of our members built a lighthouse. And we call ourselves Gospel Light. Not Gospel Lighthouse, but Gospel Light. Well... If you haven't noticed yet, and I'm sure most of you have, we just got all of our lights. There was like, you know, 10 jillion of them, I think. But all of our lights in every building on the entire property, almost 200,000 square feet of buildings and hundreds and thousands of lights, we just got them all changed to LED lights. Do you like them? They're brighter. They're nice. They're going to save us 4000 a month. It's really cool. Well, the light in the lighthouse... The original lighthouse that was built on our property on the corner of 3rd and South. That lighthouse light was broken. And so for like 15 years, we, we, we've just never, you know, we, we've just given up on it. Well, the guys that fixed all the LED lights went over there and said, well, there's one in the lighthouse. He said, yeah, but it, you know, it hadn't worked. And he said, well, let me see what we can do. So now the lighthouse has an LED light and it goes around and around and around. It's cool, man. It's fixed. Yeah, so I was walking home the other day about 10 o'clock, and I look over there, and for the first time, I saw the lighthouse light in about 15 years, uh, just going crazy, man, waking up all the neighbors, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was like a strobe light all night long. Anyway, well, we had a great year that year, and we also, that year, we had a youth conference, and I remember this one was, again, memories, 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 and you'd have to have been here, but... We had these faces of teenagers who had, you could just tell, they were lost. They were disturbed. They were, they were struggling. And, and in the early days of our church, we developed what has now really become the national, I mean, the, uh, the teen revolution. Really, that's, I think, what God has called us to out of that was now to a revolution, not just a gathering of youth pastors. But this was a great year. Will you be the one? I'll never forget it. Um, we had Oliver North that year. Now, we don't have many famous people here. But we did have old general or whatever, Colonel Ollie or whatever it was. And he was a cool guy. He came and spoke and raised money for Champion. Now, what we did was, we, uh, of course, there's my sons and Oliver and myself. But I haven't kept hardly any checks through the years, but I cashed this one. But Oliver wrote us a check for $1,000. Just like some of you might do today. Just kidding. Just kidding. And, uh, but I kept that. I cashed it and kept the check. I thought that was cool. Anyway, memories, memories. Um, then there's the building of, uh, rather the, the layout of the property. Now you got to remember when we started, we were on this little corner, and it was it was our our little stamp in the city of Hot Springs. We were landlocked. We had less than a half acre, and we had about 25 parking spots, and that's where we existed for about uh, see from 92 to 2005. That was us, our little spot over there. Uh, we gave up all, almost all of our parking to build that. That's that building, that forward to seat building 
on the corner of 3rd and South, which, by the way, everybody said was the stupidest thing anybody could ever do. Why would you build a brand-new church in a drug-infested neighborhood? But God had called us there. And if that's all the property you got, you know, you don't have much of a choice. Hey, people ask why I built a brand-new house in a drug-infested neighborhood. It was so cool that when I built the house, they put us on the front of the Sentinel record and said, Capace builds first house in 50 years in Jonestown community, you know. We've never done anything normal around here, you know. But then when God opened up the floodgates, one little half acre became 14 acres in the heart of the city. And if you were to go to the, uh, to, to the downtown, to the city director's office, he's got a beautiful map of the city of Hot Springs. If you were to put your finger on 4th and Garland and back up, you would see your finger in the center, in the heart of the city. It's an amazing thing that God put us right in the middle, in the heart of the city of Hot Springs. And so it's exciting. Then, uh, there, that was the year we opened the dorm, the two-in-a-bed dormitory, which is now, we're getting excited. We're praying for 50 to 75 freshmen coming in this year. It's looking good. Might have some in the building right now, back there from Atlanta. Yeah. All right. We're excited about these guys being here. Uh, if you get a chance to say hi to these guys, that'd be great. And then... Uh, we have, this was just a cool picture because it brought back memories. I know it's, you can't really see much. It's, it's, it's dark uh, uh, as far as the picture. But uh, leading that choir was a, a lady who a lot of us remember. Her name was Amy Van Manen. And Amy had a real big impact on our church because she, she was musically talented. She started a band in our Christian school. And uh, Amy, though, this is why I put that picture up there. She represents a lot of people who came here single, married a preacher, went off and, start, and pastored a church. And I love that. I'm glad that's like, that, that, that story is dozens and dozens of times in different ways come to pass. We love it. There's my wife and I in 2005. And there's the boys and I. I like old Zoe, man. Look at Zoe. Want to give you a hug right now? All right, here. Let's see. Go, go around like that. All right. All right. I didn't know what he'd do. I thought I'd ask, you know. So uh, anyway, and there's the whole crew right there. So that's 2005. Well, lots of fun, lots of memories. We'll keep on doing it, 2006 and so on. It's going to be great. Our family is going on a little vacation. We always leave, you know, after graduation, kind of get it out of the way and pray for us. We're going to D.C. We've contacted uh, Bruce Westerman and Tom Cotton and some of our congressmen and Senate members that, from Arkansas. And we're going to be able to visit the White House and the Capitol building. It's cool. It's free. I said, how much does it cost? Oh, no, anytime you visit these federal, it's free. So I'm like, hey, I like this kind of vacation, you know. All right. All right. So we're going to, we're going to D.C. And uh, we're going to visit Jim Maxim, one of our dear friends up there in, in, uh, near New York, and, and just spend a, you know, spend a couple of weeks. So pray for us as we, as we travel. And we'll look forward to being back. We have the next couple of weeks lined up. They're going to be great. We've got a guest speaker next week. I think you're going to love him. He's from our community. He's an associate pastor at one of the churches. And uh, then Brother Butch the next week. And everything's just going to be great. I know it will be. And we'll look forward to getting back for the big anniversary service. Well, you're in Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to look at our text in verse number 14. Now, what's beautiful about this passage of Scripture, and I've shared it before. I want to share it again real quickly. But Matthew chapter 5, you know, this, these words come straight from the lips of Jesus. Now, now Matthew 5, 16 is, is our text verse. It says, let your light so shine. What's amazing about that verse is we put that on the first sign our church ever had. Our, the first sign our church ever had was a sign that said, Gospel Light Baptist Church. 
and it had a picture of a lighthouse, and then it had underneath that lighthouse, Matthew 5, 16, and then it had, let your light so shine. That's it. And it was cool. Well, a new member came up to me two years in and said, um, hey, man, that's pretty cool what you did. I said, what I do? They said, I mean, the verse on the, on, the, on the sign, I said, oh, yeah. The verse on the sign, I said, Matthew 5, 16, yeah, yeah, that's just cool. I said, what, what's cool about it? Well, I mean, you know, that you thought of that. I said, thought of what? They said, well, I was looking here on your, on your track, and it says the address of your church is 516 3rd Street. And Matthew 5, 16. And the name of your church is Gospel Light. I just think it's cool. And I thought, I didn't know that until you just told me. <laughs> Our text is great. By the way, does anybody need a worship guide? Raise your hand. Our, our ushers will get you. I'm sorry, guys. Thanks for hanging in there with the preacher that always makes you stand for five extra minutes. If you need one, raise your hand. In the balcony, we got you. Well, let me read the text to you. Verse 14. Straight from the lips of Jesus. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What a text. Now, what I'd like to do this morning is partner with the Gideons. You know, when Otis called me and reminded me of our annual Gideon Sunday, I was excited about this message. And I called him and I said, Otis, I think we can make this part of the sermon and not tagging on at the end. I said, because I believe what the Gideons are doing is, in, is shining the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, just like we're going to be speaking about today. And in light of our anniversary, in light of the, the purpose of our church, the calling of our church, I think it might be a good Sunday for all of us to remember why we're here before we celebrate 25 years. Because the reason why we're here is the same reason after 25 years. So I want you to hear from Brother Russ Rasnick. Would you welcome him to the platform as he spends a few moments about the Gideon ministry? Love you, brother. Daisy could. Daisy started being molested by a family member when she was four years old. And that continued on until she was eight. And when she was eight, she wrote on a piece of paper, I hate Daisy. And she stuck it outward in her house, in her window, so that someone, anyone walking by that house would see that somebody in that house hated Daisy. This continued on and on, night after night, year after year, until she was 12. She finally got up the nerve to tell some of the school officials that she'd been being molested. And they took her out of that home, thankfully. Put her in foster care, and that didn't last very long either. And so... At the age of 13, she ran away. At the age of 14, she found herself walking the streets of New Orleans as a teenage prostitute. Night after night, year after year, every client, her self-esteem just tumbled and tumbled. One night, she was in one of these seedy motel rooms in downtown New Orleans, and she opened up the nightstand, and there was a Gideon Bible there. And so she was, she was at her wit's end, so she took it out, and she started reading the words. It changed her life. Through her reading, she found the love that Jesus had for her and has for all of us. And she gave her, her life to Jesus that night and credits, her with, uh, credits Jesus with saving her life. She asked him to come into her heart and become Lord of her life, and she ended up getting married and 
counsels girls who were in similar circumstances as her. Praise the Lord. Amen. When she shared this testimony at one of our Gideon conventions, she said, you know, in all those years that I was walking the streets, nobody ever came up to me and told me that Jesus loved me or told me anything about that. And she said, but then she smiled and said, you know, I wouldn't expect to see any Gideons down in that part of town anyway. So, like I said, she counsels now. Isaiah 55, 9 through 11 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. As Gideons, we are so appreciative of getting to talk to congregations like you about what we as Gideons do. So I'll tell you a little bit about us. We're a group of uh, Christian business and professional men who've had one unchanging mission for over 100 years, and that's to reach lost souls for Jesus Christ. Amen. That's it. That last year, that last verse I read you is our fundamental tenet. We know that when God's word goes out, it's not going to come back void. Every day, Gideons give away more than 250,000 copies of God's word. And we give them to hospitals and motels and hotels. Sometimes in schools, it's getting harder for us. Uh, but we go into the military and the police and firefighters. We go into 200 countries now. And by our count, there are only 13 more to go. So please pray for that. And we publish Bibles in 101 different languages. Only 12% of the Bibles that we give out are actually given out in the U.S. The rest go worldwide. And this includes about 80 million scriptures that we've placed in the former communist nations of Eastern Europe since the Iron Curtain fell in 1989. Now, we are not a church. We are a missionary outreach extension of congregations just like this one that go all over the world and shine the light where others can't go. Every cent that you give us, and let me repeat that, every cent, 100% of it, goes to purchase Bibles. That's it. We do nothing else with that money except buy Bibles. All of the administrative costs and the cost of running this organization and distributing the Bibles are borne by the some 295,000 Gideons worldwide. Our first distribution, just to let you know, occurred in 1908. We placed 25 Bibles in the Superior Hotel in Montana. It took 20 years for us to place our first million Bibles. Now we do it every five days. Last year we gave out 91.9 million copies of God's Word worldwide. And so you would probably say, well, if all those Bibles given out and all the money you get for Bibles, why do you need more? Well, let me tell you. Despite 92 million Bibles being given out last year, we had requests for almost 30 million more. Can you imagine that? 30 million people hungering for God's Word that couldn't get a, their hands on it. The story of Gideon is told in Judges 7, and I'll, I'll let you read it when you get home. But to summarize it, God told Gideon that 22,000 men was too many to go up, the Midian, go up against the Midianites and the Malachites who were as thick as locusts and whose camels could no, long, no more be counted than the sands on the seashore. He paired those 22,000 men down to three companies of 100 men, and they were the ones who lapped the water when they drank, if you remember the story. And guess what he did? He defeated all of those Midianites with the band. How about that? They're about as strong a band as you guys have here. So what can you do for us as Gideons? There are four things. Pray for us. Please pray for opportunities for, going, for us to go into places and witness. As I said, it's tougher to get into schools now. So pray for that to happen and pray for the countries that we can't get into. Become one of the lappers. If you are a professional 
uh, or a businessman here, we would love to talk to you about joining the Gideon ministry. You can see me or Otis or Raz is a, is a uh, I did get that right, is it Raz? Is a Gideon as well. You can see one of us. The Gideon card program. If you go out in your uh, hallway over there or over here, you'll see a, a display that shows Gideon cards. You can pick up one of those and you can donate Bibles in honor of people or in memory of people or in recognition of people. You can also go to our website, Gideons.org, and, and there are all kinds of cards that you can give for opportunities uh, for birthdays and things like that. You can donate money. People, the Gideons will send a card and tell people that Bibles have been donated in their honor. And finally, you can purchase scriptures for 40 bucks. You can supply one of these little personal workers' testaments, that's what we call them, to every kid in a classroom in Glenwood, Arkansas, or in Russia. We uh, ship these 100 to a case. So for 140 bucks, you can supply a case of Bibles for schools and for the other places that we give them out. That'll supply about one minute's worth of this ministry. Uh, the, I'll let you know how much the Bibles cost. These are about a buck 40 each. The tribute Bibles, where you donate in somebody's name, are five bucks a piece. The one that most of you see is these. These are the ones that go in the hotels. They're three bucks a piece. And you might ask, why do I have this one? Well, this was one that we take out of the hotels. So none of the Bibles go to waste. Once these Bibles become defaced and are damaged, we take them out of the hotels. We take the covers off of them. We send them into the prisons. So I'd like you to prayerfully consider how much of this ministry you can support. The good news about a hotel Bible is it has the potential to reach 2,600 people in its lifetime, which is estimated to be about six years. Now, I want you to understand something. We don't want you to take away from your local church with your giving. That's your first priority. However, we don't feel bad about taking your golf money or your, or your fishing money or ladies or your nail appointment money or things like that. So please prayerfully consider that. I want to close with a story about Herb. He grew up in an Orthodox Jewish home. By the time he was seven, he had memorized most of the Hebrew scriptures. By the time he was nine, he could speak fluent Galilean Aramaic. That's the language of Jesus. He was ordained as an Orthodox rabbi at the age of 17, and by the time he was 19, he was the dean of the largest rabbinical school in Brooklyn, New York. In his lifetime, he ordained over 327 other rabbis. He taught at the University of Pennsylvania, Harvard Divinity School. He had a doctorate in New Testament studies, which was his reason so he would know who the enemy was. That was the Christians. He was a thoroughly happy rabbi until one night. He was in Boston on business, and Delta Airlines, according to him, did him the biggest favor they've ever done. They lost his luggage. So all he had in his carry-on bag was a, a copy of a Hebrew Bible and a small book of Jewish law, but those didn't interest him that night. So he turned on the TV, and nothing good was on. So in his boredom, he started rummaging through the drawers in his hotel room, and he found a Gideon Bible, much like this one. Now, I want to remind you that he had read um, all of the original scriptures in Greek. He had a background in New Testament theology. He had read all the first century commentaries, so he thought he knew the New Testament back and forth. And he didn't believe a word of it. But that night, when he picked that Bible up, it opened to the book of John, and he began to read. By the time he got to the story of Nicodemus and Jesus teaching about being born again, his eyes were tearing up and his body was trembling. For the first time that night, the Holy Spirit entered Herb Opelet and brought him to Jesus. He saw how the, the scriptures fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. And he had never been so scared in his life. But he knew that without that Gideon Bible in that hotel room that night, Herb would have ended up in hell. 
And though he had been an academic scholar his whole life, he spent the last 10 years of his life doing mission work in Tel Aviv, Israel, bringing the news of Jesus to his people, the Jews. On April 9, 2011, Herb passed into his great reward. But he left a legacy that continues today, and that was all because of your faithfulness in giving to the Gideons and the Gideon placing that Bible in that hotel room. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, he admitted that that night when he was reading this Bible, he took that Bible home with him. And you know what? We're okay with that. You might say that the Gideons are the only organization that encourages people to steal our wares. We're good. Brother Eric, I want to thank you again today for allowing me to talk to you, and I want to thank you all so much for listening to me. We'll continue to pray for this church and for your mission in this community, which is marvelous, and for uh, you and your missions wherever you go in the world. God bless you. Thanks. Amen. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Russ. Well, thy word is a lamp into my feet and a light. It's a light. In just a moment, we'll be giving the invitation after a few thoughts here from God's Word. And during the invitation, I think it would be fitting for us to, to do our Gideon offering. We'll have an opportunity for us to worship, to sing a little bit, and then we'll have an opportunity to participate. And some may not participate by coming forward or, or, or another form of, of, of how the invitation is played out. But you may say, you know what? I've got some nail money or some coffee money or some extra thing I'd like to give. Wow. So be praying about that as we think about the impact we can have. And I'll say some more about that in just a moment. Well, how are we going to cover this? Let's, let's do this. We've read the text. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Let your light so shine before men. So what I'd like to do is think of it in three simple little words. As we break down this passage, who, what, and why. That's a simple outline to follow, wouldn't you say? So first of all, let's talk about the who. Who is Jesus Christ talking to? Well, here in the passage, he's talking to the disciples. You are the light of the world. You are. To whom is Jesus speaking? In this passage, it is his disciples. Now, as I'm thinking about this, they're probably thinking, as, as Jesus, and I'm a, I'm a kind of a picture guy in my mind, I, I like to... Uh, the drama to play out as I read the word. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, reading this and looking at the scene and I'm saying, Jesus, look at them and say, you are the light of the world. And then I'm seeing these, this group of, of disciples saying, me? Are you sure? Do you know who you're talking to? Anybody ever felt that way? I'll tell you where I felt that way. When I was 13 years old playing on the football team and I never played one minute. I'm on the bench. Oh, man, I never played, but the guy that played in the position that I warmed up for, that I, you know, would come in for, got hurt. And so the coach looked down at me in the championship game, the last game, and he said, Capace, you're in. And I stood there and said, me? <laughs> Are you sure? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I kind of feel like that may be how they felt. Are you sure you're talking about us? But this morning, I would like to say that we need to understand how God intends to get his work done today. God's plan for getting the work that he has left for us to do today on this earth is you are the light of the world. Somehow we get the idea that it's somebody else's job. It's not our job. It's the Gideon's job. That's why you had them, right, Brother Eric, to let us know who's supposed to do this. Yeah, they're good candidates. I like it. I'll give a couple bucks. Sure. Oh, yeah, Preacher, you, you get paid to do this, right? This is kind of what you, you're called to do. 
what we need to understand is this is not about being a Gideon or being a pastor. This is about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us have the responsibility to, to be a light. You are the light of the world. No one, God cannot save anyone without, without someone being used to share the gospel. I said that some, where some uh, one time and somebody ran up to me after the service and said, Oh, no, no, preacher, you missed it. Uh, you say a lot of things that are true, but that's false. I'm like, what's false? Well, you said that, you know, God always uses someone, but he didn't use anyone in my life. I was in a hotel room. I was lost. I picked up a Gideon Bible. I read it. I got saved. So there. And I said, who put the Gideon Bible there? He said, oh, yeah, you got a point there. I'm sorry. Sorry. You're right on that one, too. Uh, Listen, somebody had to put it there. Somebody had to give a few dollars to buy the Bible. You see, behind every conversion story, there is a Philip. There's someone who said, I'll be that light. Philip in the Bible, the Ethiopian eunuch, he was used of God to, you, to give the gospel to someone. I'm simply saying that God's plan is to use ordinary people just like me and you. And through us, do extraordinary things. Extraordinary things. You are the light of the world. So the who, the answer, you. The who is you. And here's the thing. To me, life is, you haven't even started to live to you experience what it's like to be a light. You haven't even started. Look, I, I, I meet so many Christians that live such boring lives. The most exciting thing they do is watch their kid play basketball. And that won't even last. But you live your life like a light, I can promise you this. You'll have an endless number of stories to tell about how God used your light to affect somebody else's life. One of my favorite stories, and you know, by the way, it's not always a confrontational moment of, you know, uh, uh, it's not always this in your face or this uh, uh, sermon. Or it, it, Sometimes it's just, it kind of plays out like this. Lord, I want to be a blessing to someone today. Just a smile perhaps will do to help them on their way. Maybe lend a helping hand or a kind word to say. Lord, I want to be a blessing to someone today. Just a kind word. My wife and I were in an airport and we were traveling back from our honeymoon. And here we are going back to Chicago. And we're stuck in an airport waiting at a gate in the terminal to get on a flight at 1130 at night. Everybody wants to go home, right? Sure we do. But we hear the dreaded announcement that you'd never want to hear when you fly. And that is the plane's been grounded. And there's a mechanical problem. And please come back into the line and we're going to have to get everybody a hotel room and rebook your flights for the morning. Chaos broke out. Not literal fights and some of the things you're hearing about in the news here of late. But I mean, it got, it got intense. People were cussing. People were throwing their tickets down, cutting them up throwing them at the poor little precious girl behind the counter like she had something to do with it, you know. She just made the announcement. She was getting cussed at and, 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 and threatened and we're never going to ride, you know, fly this airline again. It was horrible. My wife and I are standing in line watching the chaos and I look at my wife and I say, we're about three from being next to get rebooked. I said, watch this. You're going to love this. And she's my new wife of seven days says, what are you going to do? I'm like, oh, you, honey, it works every time. Just watch. You're going to love this. You're going to see this a lot in our marriage over the years. Watch this. She goes, just don't embarrass me. I'm like, okay, don't worry. It's going to be cool. You're going to love it. 
So finally, the person in front of us, you know, gives her a hard time. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be even more sweet, you know. He walks off, and we step up with our ticket to get rebooked. And I said, hello, ma'am. I said, God bless you. I said, it's a wonderful day. Really, it is. It, this is nothing. I mean, hey, I'd rather be on the ground than be in the flight when it has a problem. Huh? It's great. Look, God's good. We're fine. Rebook us. Anything you got, we're fine. We're happy. It's all good. And she said, shut up and sit down. <laughs> and I turned around. This had never happened to me before. My wife looks at me and she says in a sarcastic tone, like every supportive wife, works every time. <laughs> we sit down and I'm thinking, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm just so stunned. I've never had this happen. You know, I'm, I'm thinking I've got to go back up. I mean, everybody's about finished getting booked and I, there's just a small line left. I tiptoe up there. We're sheepishly, ma'am, you know, don't forget. And she said, just sit down. Sorry. I go back and sit down. My wife says, what'd she say? I said, oh, she'll be with us in a moment. <laughs> I'm getting nervous. Finally, everybody gets booked. The, the, the gate is empty. Trash everywhere. Torn tickets. Would Mr. and Mrs. Capacci please come to the desk? It's never Capacci. It's Capacci, Cappuccino, Capucci, or Capone. But it's never Capacci. Capacci, we come up to the, the gate you know, counter there and I'm, I've got my head down, and I'm humble, and I'm just hoping. And she said, uh, she gave a deep sigh. And I'm glad that's over. She said, uh, I'm so sorry the way I acted. She goes, you're a Christian, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm a Christian. She said, I knew it. She said, I am too. She said, I've just, it's been so rough. I've been treated so bad. I said, I know, I really feel bad for you. That's what I thought, man. She goes, I know what you were doing, but I just... I couldn't get into that mode. I knew the lady behind you was as angry as you just couldn't see her face. And I, I apologize. Listen, here's what I've done. She said, I've rerouted you guys, but I, I've, I've checked with, with our management. We've got you an upgrade into first class. You're going to be served filet mignon tomorrow. You're going to have a wonderful flight. We're going to take good care of you, give you double miles for your trip. And we just want to appreciate your business. And by the way, thanks for being so nice. And I looked at my wife and said, still works every time. So the point is this, the point is this, that, that the light is sometimes a smile. It's a kind word. It's just living the Christian life and the fruits of the spirit. You may not be the one that actually gets to pray the sinner's prayer. If I could say it like that very kindly and respectfully, you may be the one that just plants the seed, but everybody needs to be a light. You are the light of the world. What? What? That's the next question. So what, what are we talking about here? Who are we to be? Who, who's the light of the world? You. But, but what are we talking about? Well, well, let's read it. You are the light of the world. What we're talking about here is the world. You are a light to the world. You see, when you got saved, you were saved to shine. God didn't save you to be grumpy. God didn't save you to hide your, your testimony. God didn't save you for you to be just all about yourself and, and your ticket to heaven and, and, and I'm okay and it doesn't really matter about... No, no. God saved you to shine your light, not to hide your testimony. Isn't that what it says here in verse 14? Well, let's read it. In verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. 
hit, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. That's silly. Why would you do that? The idea here is that we are to go outside of the four walls of this church and shine our light. You see, what the old, what the, what, what, I think what, 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 what the church has been doing over the years, and I thank God for a recent trend, it seems, in an understanding that when we get together and just sit in pews, park in the parking lot, stroll across with our family-sized Bible in our hands or whatever else we got these days, we sit down in the pews, we let the preacher kind of screech at us for a while, then we walk out, go get coffee, go home, and that's it. We do that two, three, four, five, six times a week. We feel great about it. We haven't been to church till we get outside the church. You see, we have a responsibility to get outside the four walls of this church. And then it's not limited to just one hour. I used to do the one hour soul winning thing. We'd have a soul winning night. And when I stopped doing this, everybody got mad at me. I got a lot of emails from people that never came. I cannot believe you stopped going soul winning. And I wanted to email back. I never did. I wanted, you don't come anyway. I mean, what's the big deal? So what we did was we changed our philosophy. Why limit it to one hour a week when it's supposed to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week? We're supposed to shine our lights. We're not to hide it under a bushel. Our lights are to be shined. So number one, I want you to notice here the foolishness of concealed light. It's foolish to hide. Why would anybody hide their light under a bushel? It's foolish to do that. Don't hide your testimony. Are you a businessman without a Bible on your desk? Are you a Christian who doesn't pray at meals? You're hiding your light? I love to see Christians pray at restaurants. I just think it's cool. My wife and I will be sitting there. We were at a mellow mushroom in in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. You ever heard of a mellow mushroom? There, it's a pizza place. I love it. I wish we had one here. I wish we had a lot of things here. But anyway, and uh, and so I, uh, this family bowed their head, and, and it was a, the husband, the wife, and then a little boy and a little girl in elementary, and they bowed their heads to pray. And, and while they were praying, I just t- took my head, and I put it in between the husband and the wife, and I just kind of was there like this. And so when he finished, and, and Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. And when he lifted up, my head was right there. He goes, whoa! He goes, uh, what, what, who, who are you? I said, well, I'm just a pastor, man. I just think this is so cool that you guys are praying. It's fantastic. Man. I love it. I just want to commend you, man. Keep on praying like this. It makes a difference. People see this, and it's a testimony. And I said, you two, you've got good parents, man. You, you, they're good examples. I said, y'all have a good meal. Six months passed, and my son and I were together going somewhere. And where were we going? can't remember where it was. I think it, I thought it was a basketball tournament. Atlanta, Atlanta, that's right, Atlanta. And so we're going to Atlanta, and we stop at a pilot gas station. My favorite gas station. Do you know why? Clean restrooms. I love them. Anyway, and um, I get excited about little things. Little things. But I'm not so sure if you've ever been in, the, in a messy restroom, it's not really all that little once you've experienced it. Anyway, so we stop at Pilot, and I go to pay for the gas, right? And the guy behind the counter goes, Mellow Mushroom. And I go, yeah, it's a great restaurant. 
He goes, I know. He goes, you're, you're, you're Mr. Mellow Mushroom. I said, Mr. Mellow Mushroom? He goes, yeah, you remember the, the family you prayed with? I'm the dad. I'm like, you're serious. Six, six, what are the chances? What's up? What are you? He said, yeah, yeah, I'm the guy. It was just crazy. I, you freaked me out. He said, man, I'm, the head's right there. He said, it was crazy. I'm like, oh, that was so close. Cool. I said, so, yeah. He goes, yeah, I run the gas station. I'm the manager of this pilot station. I said, that's incredible. He said, yeah, man, thanks a lot. He said, it made a big difference in our family. He said, every time we go out to eat now, my little boy says, Daddy, don't forget what he said. We got to pray. He said, people are watching. It makes a difference, Daddy. He said, thanks, man. He said, I'm glad you said something. Here's my point. Not, it's not that I said something. It's that he prayed. It's that he was a light. You see, those little things that sometimes we overlook as believers, and we don't realize that those things are just, it's like people are ashamed of Jesus or something. And I'm not sure how that's happened. I don't know what Jesus has done, except for die for us and save us and love us and forgive us. I mean, he is worthy of our prayer before a meal at a restaurant. There's the foolishness of concealed light. Number two, there's the faithfulness of courageous light. I believe that God is asking us in verse 15 to put it on a candlestick. Get it up high. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Someone says, well, pastor, you don't know where I work. All the pagans there, the unbelievers. Man, they'd make fun of me. Well, Jesus also says that we can rejoice in those moments when we get to suffer some for the cause. It's okay. It's okay. It's not that bad. It's really not all that much of a sacrifice. Let's, let's be willing to put it out there. Listen, to let God know, and let others know rather, that we are a bright light in a dark world. By the way, the darker the night, the brighter the light. And we live in a dark day. I think we've made an impact on the city of Hot Springs, but we've got a long way to go. It's a dark place. This is a dark city. And it needs the shining light of, the, of believers. We're to shine our lights in a dark world. Is Jesus shining bright in you? Let me ask you a question. What's the most important light in your house? The chandelier in the, as you enter the house? Or the little night light that helps to keep you from hitting your calf on the bed and leaving a bruise that lasts for six weeks? <laughs> you know the answer. It's that little light. You see, every light's important. Every light. And can you imagine the difference we can make? That brings me to my third thought. There's the fa- foolishness of hiding our lights. There's the, the, the faithfulness of, of, and the courageousness of our light. Then there's the forcefulness of collective light. The force of it. The difference we can make when we all shine our lights together. Think about verse 14 in, in, that, in that context. Ye are the light of the world. Are you ready for this, church? A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. A city. Now, I I, I don't know about you, but I think I've got a capacity definition for a city. It's probably different than this in the Webster's Dictionary, but here's mine. If if I had a dictionary, here would be my definition of a city. Ready? House after house after house after house after house after house after house. My definition of the country would be house, 17 acres, almost hit a deer, (laughs) potholes, house. (laughs) But in the city, it's houses everywhere. It's house after house after house. I live in the city. I live in the hood. I love it. And I believe that in this context, 
This scripture is speaking about the church. I believe the Lord is talking here about the church. This city is the people of God, gospel light. You and I collectively, all of us, city after city after house 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 after house. I mean, can you imagine if I took time in this service to say that to everybody in this room? You'd be like, man, there's a lot of folks here. We can make a big difference. Exactly. The problem is we're not all shining our lights. We're going through entire weeks without giving out one track. One. Entire weeks without inviting one person to church. I mean, seven days. I mean, the Holy Spirit's not telling us to witness to anybody. Period. Never. It's only the pastor's job. He's the one that does it all. No. It's all of our jobs. I say this excitingly. I feel like I'm bringing you such good news. I'm like empowering you. I'm hoping you're going to be like, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be great. That's the way I feel you'll, you'll feel. Because this, this is so cool. I mean, I'm asking you to get in the game. Who wants to sit on the bench? You're in, Capaci. Me? You say, what'd you do? I went in. What happened? I recovered a fumble. I did. I recovered a fumble, and, and, and I was only in for 30 seconds. But I recovered a fumble. We won the game. It was in New Orleans where I was born and raised. We won the game 7-6. to six. We won the cookie bowl 7-6. to six. And it said, Capese comes off bench, plays 30 seconds in the entire season. Hero. I found out, man, being in the game is a whole lot more fun than sitting on the bench. You know, we got really today in Christianity, we got a lot of folks, pew warmers. Really. I say, I mean, I know it's probably not you, but they're out there. Let's get in the game. We can make a greater impact together. Shine. We shine brightest when we shine together. The church is the city of God. That's what the church is. All right, lastly, we're done. You ready? Don't you like the word lastly? Who? You. What? The world. How? How? How am I going to pull this off? All right. Verse 16. Here it is. First word. Let. That's all we need. You know how we're going to pull it off? We're going to let it happen. What I found about being a light, you don't have to force it. You just got to let it happen. Let me, let me give you some thoughts on that. Number one, there's got to be surrender. It's a little word. Let, L-E-T. Just let it happen. But what I found is that when you get right with God and you get filled with the Spirit, you don't have to make yourself shine. You just shine. It's not like you have to say, uh-huh, I'm a Christian. I, I got to do this. Okay, honey. We're going to church. Everybody get happy. Everybody get happy. Stop fighting. Let's all get happy. We're Christians. It doesn't work that way. You get robbed of God filled with the Spirit. It's like, whoo I can't wait to go to church and sit on the front row and worship God. I love this. I can't wait to tell people about Jesus. Just let it happen. You don't have to force it. In fact, you know what I found? When you force it, it's a glare and not a glow. It's like, ooh. We're offensive. We're mean. Preachers that try to force it are the ones that say, bless God, you're going to split hell wide open. You know, you're like, whoa. This is scary. We freak out. Because we're angry at everybody because nobody will listen. I'm not angry. I'm, 
I'm honestly excited for you. I just want you to let it happen this week. If it's your willingness to cooperate with God, it's not that difficult. It really isn't. God will take care of it. He'll bring people down to you. I mean, literally, you'll be shocked at what will happen this week if you let your light shine. You'll be like, man, that God put that person there for me to talk to. That was so cool. I didn't plan it. I didn't make it happen. I didn't have to knock on their door. I mean, nothing wrong with that, but it just happened. God does this multiple times in a, in a week or sometimes in a day. As we live our lives, just let it happen. Number two, there must be surrender and there must be sacrifice. You see, Bibles don't get put out without a few dollars. It just takes sacrifice. I mean, it's funny. We laugh at the nail thing and the Starbucks thing. We laugh at it because it's kind of like, ah, that's cute. It's true. I mean, it's really true. It's like, yeah, I get your point there, buddy. Yeah, how, how much is that green Bible there? Three bucks. Okay, so they're not free. Okay, three bucks. All right, how much is, does it cost to get nails done? 30, 40. It's about 40, actually, I think. Last time you asked. Anyway, and, uh, <laughs> oh, well, that's about 10 Bibles. That's pretty good. So, you know, I mean, that's how you think in terms like that. Wow, okay. You know, and I, I want my wife to get her nails done again. I do. I like her nails done. They're cute. But every now and then we can maybe skip one and get 10 Bibles out. It's logic. It just like makes sense. So we come today in just a few moments to a time where we pass this plate around and it's like, who wants to give a couple bucks to get Bibles out, which means... It's probably going to be something else you would have done with it, but I'm going to sacrifice that and do this. Beautiful. It's how God works. He requires it in order for us to let our light shine. Did you know that there is no shining without burning? Did you know that? Check this verse out. John the Baptist, greatest born of women. John 5.35 says, he was a burning and a shining light. I thought about that. It didn't say he was a shining light. It said he was a burning and shining light. See, before you can shine, you got to burn. You got to get consumed with something. You got to get passionate. Sometimes burning's not all that fun. It requires sacrifice. It means we've got to we got to des- we got to desire God more than anything else. We got to get consumed. We got to be willing to be fuel for the master's fire. Are you willing to be consumed for Christ? So there's surrender, there's sacrifice, and then finally, in closing, there is sanctification. There's got to be. That's what the Bible speaks of in the last part of verse 16. Let your light so shine before men. Here it is. That they may what? See. What's beautiful here is I don't have to get legalistic. I don't have to get specific. I don't have to, you know, all right, 10 ways that you can. I don't need to give you any. It just says that's enough right there. Can they tell you're a Christian? Can, can they see it in your life, in your testimony? That's what sanctification is. It's change. It's holy living. It's, it's a life that resembles Christ. Did you know what this is all about? Jesus in you. That's what it's all about. The life you live. Did you know Jesus is in you if you're saved? He's in you. How is something that big staying so sheltered? <laughs> oh, Jesus has made a big difference in my life. Then, then he ought to be just exploding out, right? I mean, he, he's... 
Jesus is not small. He's big. He makes a big difference. And so let Jesus be seen in you this week that they may see your good works. I believe there's more darkness today than there's ever been in the history of mankind. Our world is lost. Our world is in darkness. And we are the light of the world. I like that old hymn, Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying, Snatch them in pity from sin in the grave, Weep o'er the erring one, Lift up the fallen, Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save, Rescue the perishing. You know what? There's a lot of people out there that need rescued. They do. Who's going to do that? The lights of the world. The lights of the world. Well, give Jesus a big hand. I don't know why I clapped right there. I just clapped because I was happy or something. I hope you understand my heart for you guys. Honestly, I feel like I've dropped the ball too. I feel like that I've gotten comfortable. I feel like these padded pews feel better every Sunday. I like it. But you know what? I feel like I could do a whole lot better at shining my light. I hope you feel the same way. Let's bow our heads, shall we, for a word of prayer. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed... I just want to share an invitation with you. We're right on time. We have a couple things to, to, to do. I, I have no doubt in my mind that God wants to take the next three or four minutes and, and just work in, in our midst. And, and, he, and I believe he'll do it this way. We're going to sing in just a moment. I'll pray. And we're going to take a few moments just to give a public invitation. I mean, just one where folks can come if they'd like. It's just open. It's open. In other words, if you need to come and kneel and pray, you're welcome to do it. If you need to be saved, you're here today, you'd say, you know what, I, I don't know that my heart has truly ever been opened to receive Jesus. I, I don't know for sure if I'd die and I'd go to heaven. I'd like for you to maybe, preacher, if you could pray with me. I'd love to do that. I got to do that this morning at the altar. It's beautiful. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you about that. Or just maybe there's another need, a broken family, a wayward son, wayward daughter. Maybe you'd like someone to pray with you about a financial situation or a a friend or whatever. Well, that's what we're here for. We love it. It doesn't take but 60 seconds just to kneel and pray and, and you'll feel so much better that you responded to that Holy Spirit's touch. If you're here today, though, and you just feel like worshiping about the faithfulness of God take a moment and do that with us for the next just couple of minutes and then after that we'll extend the invitation a little bit longer to take that offering and so maybe God would speak to you about that and we could give and help get Bibles out Father I love you I thank you God for this moment I thank you for the service I love it I mean from the beginning to the end I love it I, I, I live for Sundays I do I, I absolutely wake up anticipating this. I mean, what just happened? And so, Father, I pray that you'd take it all and help it, Lord, not to stay within the walls, but to leave this building like an explosion of light to the city of Hot Springs. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.